0: Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Unredacted, the Town Hall VIP podcast where I tell the FCC compliance rules to go kiss my ass. I want to distinguish this podcast, where I get a little blue, from Fighting Words, which is my more serious podcast. It's also free. It's up for uh, up with Hugh Hewin. You can go over there and get it. And I talked about the Flynn case last week. I did a deep dive before uh, the Flynn judge hired his own lawyer and taking this to a whole new level of kooky. So if you're interested in that, go check out Fighting Words. Also, the highlight is half the time I refer to Judge Emmett Sullivan as Emmett Smith, who is apparently a sports ball guy of some nature. There's Arena; She's giggling at me. She, like, knows more about sports than I do, which I don't know what that says about my manhood. But I do know it says... I don't do sports because I commit 100% to you writing three columns a week and my brilliant books, including my novels, People's Republic, Indian Country, Wildfire and Collapse, and The Fifth one, Crisis, which I'm desperately trying to write, but I keep getting sucked away because there are stupid people on the internet, and because there are stupid people on the internet, I've got to be on Twitter telling them, hey, stupid, you're stupid. This is my duty. This is my job. I will not fail. Oh, check out my book, 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. You need to go pre-order it. We're trying to get the pre-order numbers up. So when it drops on July 7th, and I will be on tour. And yeah, there may be a boat party in Washington, D.C. Ahoy, you never Trump. Sissies, we'll be talking about you later in this podcast. You may want to be a part of that. And of course, because you are Town Hall VIP members, you will have extra access to the coolness uh, that this encompasses. And Larry O'Connor will be along. And all, uh, Storm on all the, all, the, all the people that you know, and love my, uh, uh, Matt Vespa, all these people will be part of this thing. And it, it'll be a thing. If we can make it a thing. I don't know if we can make it a thing, because the fascist regime is still in full effect. This whole fake coronavirus. girl says it's a hoax. I do not say it's a hoax. I believe that the Chinese coronavirus aka the bat biter flu aka the pangolin kebab pneumonia or the walking pneumonia w-o-k-i-n-g. God I am hilarious. That's a real thing and it does hurt certain people. It doesn't hurt others. OK, if you're an older person, if you have some of these comorbidities, that's the word de jour right up there with social distancing. If I never hear again, it'll be too fucking soon. Uh, those people are in legit danger. I have those people in my family. I take reasonable precautions around them because it's not a fake. It exists. It is a fact. What is also a fact, what is science, you science denying bureaucratic dicks is that it really doesn't affect people under 50 who are otherwise healthy. So maybe you can explain to me, and there's a larger point here, maybe you can explain to me why on this Memorial Day, when we honor Americans who have given their lives in the service of their country, why their graves can't be decorated with flags by Boy Scouts, as is the tradition. Why is that? You know, there's somewhere, some dingus bureaucrat, going well I, I I don't want to take a chance I don't want somebody I I love the chance to exercise power it's just, it's a combination between the delicious thrill of exercising rule over other Americans combined with the normal cowardice that comes with being a bureaucrat that leads to rules like oh we're not going to let you know Boy Scouts who are not in the demographic that's you know, for all practical purposes, ever harmed seriously by this virus and who would be outside in the sunshine and who I guess, if you're stupid, could wear masks. And I refuse to wear the mask, except I will wear a mask if, if I want to go into a business and a business says you got to wear a mask, I will do that because it's their business and, you know, your house, your rules. Now, I have the option of not going into businesses like that. Well, not really in California because there are no businesses in like that You get the point. In any case, this is just emblematic of the stupidity. But I think the bigger point is, if you think about it, why has Donald Trump not called in the VA secretary, I guess, who oversees these graves, the the military cemetery system, and said, hey, stupid, you're going to decorate the graves. Why hasn't that happened? This goes to the nature of command. And this is a bigger issue. We see lots of problems the president could solve with a decree, with an order, with a direction. That, though, is in some ways not a systemic way to address it. In another important way, it is. Now, I come uh, to you as a guy who commanded at the battalion level, as a deputy commander, an acting commander at the brigade level. That's like 5,000 guys. That's a lot of dudes. That is a lot of dudes. And... It's a serious thing. It's a seriously tough job. What you have to do is you have to depend on your subordinates. You have to delegate. It is impossible to be like, you know, like the Hindu god at the center of the earth working all the levers, you know, making individual things happen. No, no, no. You put into place a system and then you delegate and you hope that people follow direction and do according to your intent. So Donald Trump does not have the capacity... Because there's just not enough time in the day, and the federal government's too big to correct every wrong. He's got to power down people to do that. They don't. The guy at the the guy at the VA could literally spend his entire entire day, every day, twenty four hours a day, 28 hours, twenty eight hours, 25 hours a day, eight days a week, correcting individual wrongs. What you have to do is you have to put in place a system. And right and, and bureaucrat organizations are notoriously resistant to systems that require responsiveness to the clientele. Remember, for these bureaucrats, the so like the VA, the veterans are not the point. The veterans are the problem. The point is to continue to accumulate power and paychecks. That's just how bureaucracies work. That's human nature. All these complaining vets with all their problems and diseases and things—they are the problem. All these whining family members who want a flag on their loved one's grave. My God, what a pin in the ass, right? So, as a leader, how can you solve these problems? Well, first of all, you gotta make your intent clear. And I'm not sure that Trump has done that. And I'm not saying it's a hit on him because he—he's never—he never ran an organization as big as the federal government, because there literally is no organization as big as the federal government. Uh, And I think to some extent he has. We're starting to see, and we're going to talk about this a little more, uh, more Trumpian figures exercising power throughout the bureaucracy. But the first thing he's got to do is make clear his intent. And what I would, I would do a two-step process. I do the big picture and I would say, hey, All guys in the federal government, all you federal government guys, my intent is to maximize the exercise of civil liberties and end unreasonable, unsupportable, and morale-busting restrictions that have been put in place in the wake of the bat-biter flu. Okay, And he kind of did that with religion, right? He came out and said, I consider religious entities essential, and that keyed the Department of Justice to like, you know, send letters to Gavin Newsom saying, stop hassling is dick. I don't think they called him dick. I would totally call him a dick, though. And I would also giggle at him because Don Jr., Trump's son, is like, he's like with Gavin Newsom's ex-wife. Gavin Newsom was not enough of a man to maintain his very attractive woman, and he lost her to a, a better man, who is Donald Trump i I'm just saying he, he just ought to be humiliated. Anyway, there's another thing that I would do if I was Donald Trump. The way you put your systematic intent into effect is kind of through the power of anecdote. What? The power of anecdote. Symbolic actions. What I would do, is if I were Trump, is to keep on... Demonstrating that I was serious about my intent, I would make it a habit every day to devote about 15 minutes to personally resolving a high profile problem. Like idiots not letting Boy Scouts put flags on veterans' graves. And the way I would do that, and this is, this is something you can do in a, in a, as a commander, okay? You hold people accountable. The people do what the commander checks. We used to always say that in the military, and it's very true. If a commander wanted, say, I don't know, maintenance, he wants to double down on maintenance, and everybody's in the military is just nodding, going, God, maintenance, it's such a pain. Maintenance is a giant pain, a huge part of what the military does. You've got a lot of equipment, it's got to be maintained or it's not going to work. If you want to emphasize maintenance, A, you announce, I'm emphasizing maintenance. That is my number one part. We're going to do maintenance, okay? You know, maybe training, maybe physical fitness, maybe tactical skills, but maintenance is a good one too. And you, your priority needs to change because you know if you have one priority forever, all the other things are going to fade because the people will do what the commander checks. So how do you check? Well, if your priority is maintenance, you do what I do. You go to your unit, you get out of your vehicle, and you walk through the motor pool, and you walk to a Humvee, and you go, okay. Let me see the, um, God, was it 2408, 2408. I believe the 2408 was a maintenance form. It's been a while. 2404, is it 2404? It's one of those things. It's a it's something. Anyway, let me see it. And then you will see when it was last inspected and you can look at it. And if it's done wrong or not done at all, you know, no maintenance has been done. So you walk around a couple company, you know. If you, I'm the colonel, I'm not talking to sergeants. I'm not talking to privates. I'm talking to captains and maybe lieutenants, okay? And the captain's with me when I'm walking through his motor pool and I'm checking things out and I'm saying, okay, on this deuce and a half, that's aging me, right? Deuce and a half's the kind of truck, and they phased out of the system like 30 years ago. But in the National Guard, they phased out about 20 years ago. So I need the 2404 uh, on the this deuce and a half. And you look at it and you go, okay, I don't see a 244. Where's your manual? Do you have your tech manual? Now, you need a tech manual to do the inspection because it's right there. So you ask for a tech manual. If the tech manual is not in the vehicle, you know the vehicle's not been inspected because they need a tech manual to do it and they fill out a form to do it. That's how you do it. You check. Well, pretty soon, after about three of these and after you're going, Captain... Why is your Why is your motor pool completely dicked up? I checked four vehicles, none the expected. Are you out checking your vehicles? Well, you know what? That commander's next day is going to be out there checking the vehicles because the colonel might come back and he do not want to get his ass chewed again. Now, if the captain isn't out there the next day, he's probably not long for command because he sucks. But his executive officer takes over when you fire his ass. The executive officer's going to do it if he's smart. You can't do the same thing as Trump. I would have people sitting in the White House scanning the news. Not Drudge because no one fucking reads Drudge anyway. Because I, everybody thinks he sold out to a, a, a liberal and then just took did a non-disclosure agreement, just took the money and ran. That sounds like the most logical thing. But it's now a bunch of never-Trump sissy shit and I'm not having it. And I won't read Drudge anymore. I think I took it off my favorites. A while ago, but I just don't go to it anymore. I just got no use for it. Uh, way to kill it, dingus, is, anyway. But there's lots of media out there. You got Fox, you got all sorts of Twitter stuff. I would have in my, 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 you know, my policy department, I would have, I want a problem a day. Something that is symbolic. Something that is high visibility. Something that people want to see resolved just like. And the I can't plant flags at the uh, on my you know uncle who was in Nijmegen in World War II. That's part of Market Garden. You want to hear more about? It, read my book Collapse because it references Market Garden pretty, pretty, pretty extensively. Anyway, it's a high visibility product. It's one that you kind of go, ah, this sucks. I, I'd like to see that. Well, you pick one a day and then you do it, and you and you say, okay, cemeteries are under the VA director. VA director, tomorrow at 9 a.m., be in the Oval Office for 15 minutes. I'm, I'm blocking out 15 minutes' time. And you will explain to me how you are correcting the problem of flags not being put on military, you know, cemetery graves. Okay, what does that do? Well, first of all, it telegraphs your intent. Much as the Court of Appeals telegraphed their intent to Judge Emmett Smith, I mean Sullivan, when they said... Can you explain why you did this dumb, dumb, dumb thing? That's what you kind of do. You you telegraph it to the bureaucracy. And then you also announce it. Tomorrow, the president has uh, directed the VA de- uh, secretary to show up at his office to explain how he is going to fix the I can't put flags on the graves of veterans problem. And then the next morning, the guy shows up and goes, you know, Your Honor, this was a giant misunderstanding, Your Honor. <laughs> Drop it, because because I've had this happen in court before, uh, when the court of appeals has told a a judge that I took a writ on, you screwed up, and the court was like, no no no, giant misunderstanding, you're right, Schlichter, yeah, you know, we'll do it your way, okay. Anyway, VA secretary shows up and says, you know, Mr. President, we. What, what a misunderstanding. Here's what's going to happen. Those Boy Scouts are going to plant flags on those military graves. At which point you smile and go, I knew you would take care of this. I, 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 I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad that there was a giant misunderstanding. Let's take a picture, hold hands, smile for a camera, click, click. And then we, the American people, go, oh, okay. President has personally intervened. Now, remember, this is anecdotal, but it's a problem that goes systemic, right? It's a systemic message. I'm looking these are my priorities. Don't do stupid shit about the Chinese coronavirus, and then everybody's happy. Now, occasionally, you will get the VA secretary who shows up, and he's stupid, and he says, "No, I'm. Uh, I, I, there's no mistake here. I'm not doing it because X, Y, and Z." And the president goes, oh, ah, well, that's very interesting. You're fired." Okay the the way you uh, the way you telegraph that is you say. Oh, when you come see me, bring your deputy. And that way you can fire him. As the Secret Service is walking his lame ass out, you turn to the deputy and go, are you unclear about, well, you're now in charge. Are you unclear about my intent? Because if you are, I got more Secret Service guys here who can walk your fucking ass out. And he goes, (laughs) Mr. President, I am crystal clear about what I'm supposed to do. So, what's this do? This is the other, this is how you enforce the policy. By kind of by anecdote, but by example, you show these are the things I'm watching for. Now, you do that the next day. The next day, you know, you have um, some military guy, maybe, and I know I'm focused on military stuff, but some military guy who's being thrown out of the army because you know, he maybe was a little too aggressive in shooting terrorists, okay? And that doesn't sound, and there are a lot of people who don't think that sounds right. You know, tomorrow, Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Secretary of Defense, entire chain of command. I will, uh, you know, entire chain of this guy's command. I'd like you at the Oval Office at 9 a.m. tomorrow to explain to me uh, this situation with Sergeant So-and-so and what we're going to do about it. And you telegraph? no, you're not going to discharge this guy for killing fucking terrorists. And you're going to explain to me, A, how you're not doing that. And B, how we're not going to persecute American soldiers for killing fucking terrorists. I one particu- a, a, a particularly good thing is you pick a very high level guy who's responsible. And of course, the president's got, you know, the, the um, secretaries and, you know, the, the chairman, the joint chiefs and such. Uh, and even when I was at brigade level, I, I still had company commanders and things, and you take their time. And they hate that. And what you do is you say, You will brief me tomorrow at nine. So suddenly the next 24 hours are devoted entirely to preparing to brief you. So you have taken their time, including their freedom. You, you have completely fucked up their schedule and shown that you, you know, and, and they, they don't like that. So they start learning, hopefully that you don't do stupid shit that you're going to have to go explain to the boss because he's watching. So don't do stupid shit that's going to result in him saying, tomorrow at 9 a.m. you're going to brief me, which means the next 24 hours are you prepping for tomorrow morning at 9 instead of doing what you want to do. And your whole staff. Completely fucks your schedule up. That's part of the magic. That's how the president or any leader enforces his priorities and that's what i would I, I would do that you know you have a diplomat who says something you know stupid about american policy hey secretary of uh state i would like you and your diplomat and your diplomat supervisor in my office nine o'clock tomorrow to explain to me how they're going to uh Unscrew this political problem that they have created. You know, this ambassador from, uh, you know, Chad. Not the, not, not like the dude, but like the country. You, you're going to be in my office tomorrow to explain how we're unscrewing this. Okay? Once you start doing that, once it becomes evident that you're checking things, you don't even have to do it anymore. You should still do it because it tells us out here, oh, he's he's making concrete concrete games because remember policies don't change anything explanations of intent do not send the message alone to the to the audience that is the, the trump supporters you know stepping in and you know pardoning wrongfully convicted uh soldiers that sends a freaking message to the people right everything you should do should be supporting your people supporting your policies and telling people, I'm, you know, hey, I'm there and I'm fighting for you. So that's kind of how I think things should happen. So anyway, I've kind of gone on this long tangent and I don't know if you'll find it interesting, but you should because I'm amazingly interesting, Kurt said without irony. You know what else is interesting? The way the Never Trumpers are wetting themselves over Rick Grinnell and Kaylee McEnany. Now, Rick and Kaylee. Uh, and I, I had a little bit of contact with uh, Kaylee and I know Rick because he like lives in my town, you know, when he's not uh, defending the country from uh, uh, rapacious foreigners. So you'll be like, you know, going into the Vons and he's, you know, in the spice rack looking for cumin or, you know, Tony Checheries, which reminds me, I got to go buy some more Tony Checheries because I'm out of it. It's just kind of in my head. Anyway, seeing him around the neighborhood is like hilarious. But they're both very, very smart, very, very smooth. I think both of them have Harvard educations. We shouldn't hold that against them. The point is that they have the credentials that the people who want to look down on them think symbolize, you know, entry into the elite. So these guys are class traitors, but they're also hardcore Trump, which is really hardcore populist. And I would argue, remember, I would argue that our loyalty is not to Trump as an individual, though he has earned loyalty as an individual. It is to the movement which reempowers normal Americans. And I talk more about that in my book, The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, which you should go pre-order now. And uh, I, I say some interesting things about Rick Grinnell in it, which you should read. But the bottom line is we now have experienced people With the kind of credentials that uh, formally impressed the liberal establishment. And they are in positions of power and they are hated. They are completely hated because they are class traitors. By the way, they're both uh, committed Christians. Evangelical. uh, Which just drives the left nuts. But we have these people on our team who are actually making things happen now. And... You know, on uh, Chris Wallace's show, they had Jonah Goldberg. Now, remember, Jonah Goldberg, he wrote Liberal Fascism. It's a very good book. I highly recommend it. I think it's important for every conservative to read it. And remember, there was a time when Jonah Goldberg was considered an important voice of the conservative movement. And then Trump happened. And then accountability happened. Remember, Trump is about accountability. Trump is himself accountability. Trump would not exist if the conservative incorporated establishment had not failed so massively for about 20 years we got promise after promise a victory and it turned out they just didn't care all they cared about was their power and position and prestige and guys like jonah goldberg would write their very very fancy columns articles books and nothing would happen and then a guy came along who did the very things they thought allegedly thought were necessary and what happens is they hate this guy. And they hate all of the his supporters. They hate you. They can't handle it. Jonah Goldberg is calling her a Twitter troll. She's terrible. She's awful. You know, she's the press secretary. Kaylee gets in there and she beats the shit out of the press. She ought to be in freaking thigh-high leather boots wielding a whip. Except I, I think they probably like that. But you get the imagery. She just batters these guys. And they come back for more and batters them again. And we like that because the people she's kicking ass on are our enemies. They hate us and despise us. And guys like Jonah Goldberg and the rest of the conservative simps like David French and the rest of the Bill Kristol, Ahoy, they don't want that. They don't want victory. They don't want us to win. They never wanted us to win because, you know, victory brings responsibility and accountability and that's not what these guys were about. These guys were always about themselves and their power and position and prestige to the extent it existed. Really these guys were a bunch of gibos who were barely tolerated by the establishment, but they didn't do any real harm. So they were never really subject to attack. And now they're positively useful. They'll go on friendly media outlets. And they will trash actual conservatives who are actually winning, reliably. You know, you you can count on them. They're never going to come on and say, wow, this is really great. You know, we got great Supreme Court justices. We turned back regulation. Before the Chinese decided they were going to gobble pangolin hummus, we had a great economy. We'll have it again, by the way, when we come out of this idiocy, despite the efforts of blue state governors who want to extend this as long as possible. Anyway, we we had all this great stuff. They hated it because that wasn't what was important. What was important was their power and prestige. If Jonah Goldberg were to call the White House, what is the name of the guy who would take his call? Mr. President, Jonah Goldberg's on the line. You know, at one time, Bill Kristol calls the White House and George Bush might have taken the call, Uh, Mr. President. Well, I'd probably call him back, but Mr. President, yeah, you got a call from Bill Kristol. Uh, you might want to call him back. He's an important conservative thought leader whose uh, cruise ship brochure, *The Weekly Standard*, really sets the pace for our failed, floundering administration. Of course, George Bush would go. Ah, I like that guy. He, uh, he, uh, he doesn't fight. He, uh, he rolls over. And they call me Chimpy McH- Bush Hitler or Halliburton. That's good. That's okay with me. I got a lot of dignity. I'm better than that. That's not who we are. Oh, well, I never. Nobody, Nobody's going to take these guys' calls anymore. And that's what pisses them off. That's what makes them mad. That was what makes them angry. Ahoy, you shilling bastards. So they hate the people who are successful. The people who have the credentials we were reliably informed made them important people we should listen to. I guess that was bullshit, too. I guess everything's bullshit. I guess it's all a lie and a scam. least for the establishment but not for us we see the truth and the truth is guys we're always going to be fighting we're going to fight today we're going to fight tomorrow sometimes we're going to win sometimes we're going to lose that's okay because that's how life is i like to read about history just been or listen actually a lot of it because most of the time i'm not you know walking for exercise, I'm, I'm, I'm writing stuff for you people. I give so much. And uh, I've been listening to a series on the Mexican Revolution and kind of interchanging that with a book on the uh, Julio-Claudian dynasty in Rome. And you see patterns. And you see that even the guys like Caesar and Augustus and, uh, you know, the oh God, all the Mexican revolutionaries, They lost a lot. They fought and fought and fought and they did not always win. And sometimes things look bad. But in the end, somebody's got to win. I vote it be us. I vote we win. How's that? Hope you'll join me in that vote. Hope you'll join me next time on Unredacted, the Town Hall VIP podcast with Kurt Schlichter. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy my three columns a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The Wednesday one is just for you down all VIP guys. Follow me on Twitter at Kurt Schlichter. Read my novels. People's Republic, Indian Country, Wildfire, and Collapse. I'm writing the fifth one, Crisis. Let's uh, cross your fingers. I hope I can keep up the standard because they're all like five-star reviews. And uh, I want you to go and pre-order 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump. Just pre-order it get it out of the way so you get it immediately on july 6th and be the envy of your friends and demonstrate a potency that no never trumper can even hope to ever attain because they're sexual i'm kurt schlichter i will talk to you again soon thanks bye